I feel like God is blessing us in a mighty way. It's warm outside today, but thank God we are alive and we are well. We give God the glory and the honor. Pray with me tonight as we prepare for the Word of God. God, we honor you. We praise you for this time of study. Pray that you open up our minds and our hearts to be open to your truth and give us the words that will bring life. Anoint my lips and let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, saints, let's go back again. We've been looking in the book of Genesis, and I have been dealing with the theme, living faith in stressful times. Living faith in stressful times. This is part 12 of that theme. <coughs> Excuse me. I have been looking at this because, as you know, no one has experienced such stress or any more stress than the stress that would have been experienced by Jacob in the midst of his situation at Laban's house and developing his own family and the stress that came in his life early on from his relationship with his brother and his mother's uh, over-loving him uh, to the point of lifting him above his sibling. And, and it's interesting, he's been under a lot of stress and he's made several mistakes. He's made several mistakes. He's, he has, and, and let, me, let me change that. I said mistakes. He has made choices that were not wise, choices that were moral failures, choices that really were sinful, if you will. And so in reality, he has done a number of things that put him in a position where consequences would befall his life. But at the same time, you have to see in the grander scheme, and I want you to grab hold of this tonight, because sometimes I think we see people who have favor upon their lives, and we don't recognize that that favor on their life does not necessarily mean that they're perfect, morally or any or otherwise, it could simply mean that that person is doing something uh, or God has given them something that is important. Now, do this for me. Get this first thing in your mind. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Divine providence supersedes the consequences of moral failure. Divine providence supersedes the consequences of moral failure. Now that, that's important that you grab hold of that idea. Because see, if, if God has uh, so ordained it, someone with favor, the favor doesn't get lost. The favor remains even if the individual makes decisions that put them in jeopardy, the blessing plan through them is still going to come to pass. Now, Paul, the apostle Paul put it this way. He said, I preach to myself also, lest I be a castaway. In other words, I could be used by God to save others, minister to others, be a blessing to others, and lose my own soul. 
I could be used by God to lead someone out of darkness into light and yet be a, in Paul's words, a castaway. So, so here, here's, a, here's another point you want to grab hold of. And this is important you grab this because uh, I'm, I want to help you get this. God can use imperfect people to do his perfect will. God can use imperfect people to do his perfect will. Now, that, that's important that you recognize that because there are many times when you see people who are flawed, people who have made moral failings, people who have made mistakes, people who have just outright sinned, people who have made choices, and, and you say, wow, how are they still blessed? Yeah, they can have a blessing traveling in their life and lose their soul and lose what God intended for them personally. They can have a blessing on their life and still have to deal with the consequences of their failure. Listen, consequences can be mitigated but not abrogated. And the word abrogated simply means evaded. Consequences can be mitigated, meaning that, that if, if you come into the consequences of your failure and, and you're trying to live right, do right, God may, may take a sentence that's upon someone's life that should be 20 years and turn it into 10. Because consequences can be mitigated, <clears throat> but never abrogated. Then that you're not going to get away with anything forever. I, I, I'm going to say something tonight, and, and hopefully this is not offensive um, to you, but if it is, receive it anyway. You've seen people who are gifted, and you knew they were gifted by God. What I want to use somebody that you would recognize, R. Kelly. R. Kelly has to be one of the most gifted, talented musicians you have ever seen in the earth realm. He's got a voice. He's written some of the best songs. And in the midst of doing that, writing songs for other people, writing songs for himself, he himself does not have the capacity for writing that one would think that one would have. I, he, he, there's some form of dyslexia, some form of learning issue, but yet the gift overwhelms even his learning issue. Now watch this. When you and I were celebrating songs like I Believe I Can Fly or Step in the Name of Love, he was committing some of the most heinous crimes against women that we've ever heard of. We, we, were, we were listening and in churches even singing, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch this guy. Oh man, it, you know, it, at the same time, he was relieving himself in wrong places. At the same time, he was doing some of the most heinous, wicked things ever. And yet, his favor, his gift was projecting him out there. And had he lived 
the light that was the divine had intended for him to. No telling where he would be now. Now, I'm not a judge and I'm not a jury and this trial has not yet happened, but I can just tell you from the amount of information that came out in that series done on Lifetime, from the his, his reproach that came about in his, in his interview with Gail King, the information it seems to be rather overwhelming, but I'll let the court system decide. One thing I can tell you this much is consequences have caught up with him. And he is experiencing the worst time of his life. And hopefully he's on his knees somewhere. He is experiencing why? Because you can project in public one thing and have something else in private and think that your private will never enter your public, but always remember your consequences can be mitigated, but they can't be abrogated. Sooner or later, consequences are going to come on all of us. That's why I tell people don't worry about, to quit talking to me about going to hell. I, I'm trying not to go to hell. You can enter a living hell and, and while enduring your consequences for your behavior. And what's interesting is, in the life now, re-enter with me into Jacob, I, I know that was a side hit for some of y'all, it might have been a little rough, but, but stay with me. It, what, what's interesting to us now is that Jacob's life could go in many directions and many negative ways, but Jacob keeps trying to get the mind of God. And in so doing, God sustains him and blesses him and allows that which was promised to his ancestors to be upon him and work through him. Which, which is helpful, ought, ought to make somebody feel real good <clears throat> that's ever made a mistake. You ought to get happy right there. Because it says to you that your failures of your past do not have to continually bombard your present. The failures of your past do not have to continually be a part of your present. The mistakes you made before do not have to continually dog you. Yeah, you got to deal with your consequences, but they don't have to keep coming up over and over and over again. God said, matter of fact, I want to get rid of your sin so badly that I'm willing to put it in the sea of forgetfulness. Where it will come up before you no more. I'm willing to wash your sins and cleanse you. Okay, let's talk about divine providence a little bit. Divine providence, in the Hebrew, it's Hagash Potas, or Hagash Prati. Divine providence. I, 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 I lift this up because divine providence affirms the sovereignty, guidance, and control of God in the universe. Let me say it again. Divine providence affirms the sovereignty, guidance, and control of God in the universe. Means that God knows and God sees and God is yet in control. God is still God. I, I put it this way to you, 
this is our heavenly father's world and ultimately he's working all things for good. Ultimately, he's working all things for good. And now that's good news. That's good news for us. That's good news for us. That ultimately, God is working it out for your good, for my good. But now, we have free choice. We have uh, what Thomas Aquinas, the great theologian, called free choice of the will, which means that God has this overarching idea of what he would like for me, this plan for me. God's providence is guiding my life, guiding my existence. But, but I want you to get this. If we believe in free will, then divine providence must work in at least three significant ways. Hold that thought right there. If you believe in free will, then providence must work in three ways. Doesn't mean that God is not in control, doesn't mean that God's not guiding, doesn't mean God's not governing or wanting to govern in a, in a part of our lives. But what it means is this, God can give you an assignment First way is assignments. You know, some people have to realize the reason you are where you are is you're there on assignment. And you have an assignment. I know that there are people attached to me right now that are attached to me because they were on assignment. God assigned them to see that the work would be done and to facilitate what was supposed to happen in the earth realm through me, they are on assignment. And you can tell when folk are on assignment because they take it as a moral duty, as a duty to God. They realize that it's not about him, it's about what God wants to do because they understand assignment. You, the problem with most people is, is that even though they have assignments, they'll abrogate, they'll walk away from their assignment, they will go to do somebody else's assignment and leave their job undone because they don't think that their assignment is significant enough for what they think their skill level to do. Not recognizing that if we built up this line, your, your place in the line, if you step out of it to go somewhere else, you leave a gap in the line. Therefore, by failing to do your assignment, you have now made everybody vulnerable. Oh, wait a minute. I just I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. I got, I got caught up here. I got caught up. There are assignments. But the second part of assignments, there are arrangements. Because if there's free choice, and if I have, I, God makes arrangements so that the assignment can be handled. God makes arrangements so that the assignment, let me give it to you again. I'm going to do it another way, and I'll come all the way back. Don't worry, I'm still in Genesis 31. Watch this. If God has an assignment on your life, then in the background, God is making arrangements for the fulfillment of the assignment on your life. 
You don't have to worry about it. God's already working it out. He's already doing what you need done, even though you don't know it's being done and you don't know how God is doing it. God is already working it out because if the assignment was given, an arrangement was put in place. God doesn't give an assignment without an arrangement. People, people, people wonder why we were, were so easy to go online after the pandemic started. Because God had given assignments and arrangements were already in place for things we didn't even know we would need in the pandemic. Because when God gives assignments, he already has arrangements. And arrangements are being made that you may not understand. You may not know what's going on. But God, whenever he gives an assignment, he gives an arrangement. Watch this. Because we have free will, God is always making adjustments. Because of Jacob's free will, God keeps having to make adjustments. He keeps making adjustments. Not going to not keep my word, but I'll make the adjustments necessary in order to get you where I need you to be so that you can fulfill your assignment and the arrangements made can come to pass. Ooh, can work for you. Stay with me. I know I'm going deep tonight, so rock with me, roll with me. We're on a path now. Listen. If you accept divine providence and you believe it, I can give you this statement of fact. The acceptance of divine providence as fact will make you resilient as you trust that everything is going to work out for your good. Um, the song said, God is leaning in my direction. What do you mean he's leaning in your direction? Meaning that God is always on my side. Now, what do you mean resilient, Reverend? I mean that I can be optimistic. I can be obedient. I can walk in the will of God because even though I don't understand what's happening, I do know it's going to be all right. I do know it's going to be all right. I do know it's going to work out. I don't know how, but I know this much. I got an assignment on my life. There's an arrangement already been made, and adjustments will be made in order for me to fulfill my assignment. And if that's the case, I might as well go ahead and be happy now because it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's going to work out. God's going to take care of me. The old hymn writer said, be not dismayed. Whatever be tied, God will take care of you beneath his wings on love abide. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. When you get that in your spirit, what our ancestors were trying to teach us, they were trying to let us know that God is still working it out. Okay. So I talked about divine providence, and I haven't finished that, but I, I, I want to press my claim to this sermon through the lens of Jacob 
And so with that backdrop, with that backdrop, I want you to understand that three things work in conjunction. Three things work in conjunction. They work as a team. They work, they work all together. They come together. Three things. The first of which is providence. 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 You know, the, the man that founded um, the city Providence in Rhode Island, founded it because by and gave it that name because he knew that God had led him there. This is a place of providence. This is this is where the Lord has led me to. What what one understands is that providence and this is sort of a textbook de definition and, and it's convoluted but stay with me. Providence really relates to God especially when conceived as omnisciently directing the universe and the affairs of humankind with wise benevolence, which is the, a manifestation of divine care or direction. Hold that for a second because I want people to grab onto it. So when I talk to Providence, I actually talk to the fact that God is not only in control of me, you individually, but the entire universe. And God is always birthing and renewing every day. Okay. Before I, before I press my full claim of providence, stay with me. God is in control of the universe. Anything that is not being renewed dies. Every day you are growing new skin cells or your skin is dying. Listen to me. You are being renewed cell by cell every day. Every tree, every flower, every plant. The only way it has to be. Why do you think there are rings in the middle of a tree when you see it because each ring represents new growth and it annually is growing over and over again as it gets larger it's expanding its territory and you can count the rings back in a tree trunk and know how many years decades it has existed God is constantly birthing freshness, renewing us in the earth realm. And what we've got to know is that God's divine care is always with us and God is manifesting his care for us daily. Daily. You got up this morning, not on your own, the Lord allowed you to get up. You pressed your feet to the floor, or you got up by many means necessary, whether you had to hold on to the side of the bed, or whether you had to hold on to your rocking chair, wheelchair, whatever, you got up because the Lord has allowed it. And God has blessed you again. Providence upon the life of Jacob and the divine direction upon Jacob's life comes in and, and is seen in a couple of ways. First of which, 
<clears throat> I could go back to Genesis 28, which I'll do in a moment. But look at verse, look at chapter 31, verse 13. God speaks to Jacob and reminds him of his own providential care. And here's what God says to him. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now stand up, leave this land, and return to your birth. Now, he says, son, yet yeah, I'm with you. My presence is with you. And the same place you made your vow, the same pillar upon which you made it, let me remind you, I'm that God. Now, if you would, go back to Genesis 28. Genesis 28, in verse 12, as he, as he took a stone, verse 11 says he took a stone and put it on his head and laid there. Verse 12 says he dreamed of a ladder and a stairway and he saw there the angels of God ascending and descending. Verse 13 there, and I'm skip reading, so stay with me. Verse 13 says, and behold, the Lord stood above around him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your fathers, uh, fathers, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land of promise on which you are lying. Right now, you have to understand, God is reinstituting the fact that the providential hand of God will be upon him not only to be a good man, a great man, a wealthy man, but to be the person that will be the pipeline through which God is going to continue his promises to the children of Abraham. You have to know that that is picked up again in 31, which we read first. Because God says, I'm with you. Now, verse 14 tells him how broad and expansive his work would be. Verse 15 tells him, look, you've got to know that, that behold, I'm with you. And I will keep, that is carefully watch over you and guard you wherever you may go. And I'll bring you back to this promised land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. In other words, the promise on his life is so profound that God says to him, I'm going to keep my word to you. And so this is the point at which you've got to know God says, I'm watching over you. I'm with you. I'm watching over you. I'm with you. Y'all missed it. I need to say it again. I'm watching over you. I'm with you. I won't leave you till I fulfill my promise. I want to tell every blood bought, blood watched believer this right now. God is watching over you and God is with you. You may not see the hand of God. You may not know what God is doing, but God is watching over you and God is with you. God has not left you. He promised I will not leave you nor forsake you, but I'll be with you even until the end of the world, the end of the age. God says, I am with you and I'm watching over you. Right there, you should have got a little tingle in your heart because you should have reminded yourself it's going to be all right.
my God is with me and he has been with me and he's watching over me. Now the second thing that works in conjunction, if providence, that is that God omniscient care is there. If providence is there, then in order for providence, that which God desires for my life to come to pass, there has to be provision. 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 Now, now it's important that you recognize that God will provide. God will provide. Now, providence speaks to the care and direction of God. Providence speaks to the care and direction of God. God, God's omniscient care watching over me, planning my life. But, 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 but provision is the plan of God required to fulfill his promises. Provision is the plan of God required to fulfill his promises. Let me tell you something. God can't make a promise that he can't provide for. There's no sense in God making a promise that he can't provide for. If God said it, he's going to do it. If he spoke it, he will make it the best. God can't lie and he can't die. If God spoke it, it's going to happen. And God will make provision for his people. You may not know how God is going to do it, but God is going to provide for you. There's provision that you don't know about with your name on it already. There's provision that you haven't seen that already has your name on it. There's a check already been written with your name on it. You don't know it, but God's already made the way. And, and, and then let, let, me, let me, I want to break this down again. Uh, so I need to do an ABC here. In Jacob's situation, that meant three things. Lord, if you're going to make provisions, what you're going to do? First of which is, I'm going to make reparations. I'm going I'm to make amends for the injustice that's been done to you. I'm going to make reparations. I, when, when people ask me if I believe that reparations ought to happen for, for African Americans, I, I, I remind them that we made reparations for the Japanese after the internment camps and the horrific way in which they were treated. I don't understand. A, a reparation says I'm making amends for an injustice done to you. And what, what Jacob says is there's a reparation that needs to come to him for the injustice done. Now, now watch this, y'all. Catch this. A part of the injustice done to him was a consequence of his own deceptive practices. But God says, just because someone else walks in wrong doesn't mean I don't hold them accountable for their wrong. And so they have to make reparations for what they've done. The, the, the B portion is a restoration. That is to return to good condition. 
if, if you if you if you uh, have ever had some, uh, anything restored, uh, you you get your your. I don't know if any of you have ever had an accident, had the vehicle fixed. I've had cars and vehicles in accidents, and I've gotten them repaired. And there's nothing like a good restoration. I, I've had it done so that you couldn't tell that it was ever even touched. It looked just as good as it was in the beginning. God says, God restores. And I want to help somebody. Let me bless you right now. I believe God can restore you. I believe some of you need God to restore your mind. I believe some of you need God to restore your peace. I believe somebody needs God to restore your happiness, to restore your joy, to restore your relationships. And I believe God restores. I believe God restores. But then the then the, the C portion here is reassurance. That is the removal of doubt. God, God does all three of these things. God does all three of these things. Let's let's look at it now. We're gonna do this real quick in, in, in Genesis 31. And in Genesis 31. In Genesis 31, let's jump down to verse 4. Now the previous verse shows the reassurance because God speaks. But watch this. Verse 4. Start at verse 4. Genesis 31. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to, to his flock in the field. And he said to them, I see a change in your father's attitude that he's not friendly towards me as he was before. But the God of my father Isaac has been with me. Woo! I told you God is watching over me. God has been with me. Watch this. You know that I served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me as often as possible, changed my wages 10 times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. Verse 8, if he said the speckled shall be your wages, then the entire flock gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streak shall be your wages, then the entire flock gave birth to streak young. Thus God has taken away the flock of your father and given them to me. What he talks about there is what? A reparation. He says he was going against me and God says not so. I will give you an amends for the injustice done to you. I'm going to give you your reparations. And he says, and I'll let you understand, God took what he had and gave it to me. Verse 10, and then it happened at the time the flock conceived that I looked up and I saw in a dream that the rams which mated with the female goats were streaked, speckled, and spotted. And the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here am I. Wait a minute. God does what? God gave him a reparation. Then God tells him, I'm going to give you restoration because I'm getting ready to send you back to where you were. And here the angel gives him a what? Reassurance. All things, what, what it almost intimates to us, if you're really reading closely, is that he's moving in ways and doing what God has told him to do while not really knowing all completely what God was saying or doing or where God was. Now, this is an important point that I make to you. You live your life 
to the best of your ability, making the best decisions you can make with reasonable common sense and, and integrity, and God takes care of the rest. Let me say it again. You might have missed it. I'll put it another way, make it plain. God is not going to come down and hold your hand and tell you everything. One, do number two, do number three, do number, no. You, you go and do. He went and took care of the, the animals the way God, he learned to take care of them. He did the best he could in the field. He did what was right. He honored his agreements. And God says, I'm working out the rest. Now, don't expect God to do if you're not willing to do your part. Now, I'm going to give you this in verse 12. Here's the thing. So the angel speaking now in the dream. And he said, look up and see. All the rams which are mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, and spotted. For I have what? Seen. All that Laban has been doing to you. In other words, I'm watching. Now this is good news for somebody. Just because you don't hear God's voice yelling out, or you don't see smoke and fire and flame, and you don't see some miraculous manifestation, does not mean that God doesn't see what you're going through. It doesn't mean God doesn't know what you're going through. That evil boss, it doesn't mean God doesn't know what you're going through. That mean spouse, doesn't mean God doesn't know what you're going through. That situation that you can't fix, it does not mean, God says, I'm seeing it, I'm looking at it, and I'm fixing it for your good. Ease your mind. God is watching you. Lastly, lastly, and I, I'm trying to get it all in tonight. So, so let me do. So yeah, providence, which works for provision. God, God gave him this reparation of these animals into his life. And, and then the third thing that you have to have now is protection. Protection. See, this is important now. Because you got to know that just because God wants to bless you, that doesn't mean the enemy doesn't want to mess with you. God could be blessing you and the devil could be mad. So you need to know that that which God provides, he protects. That which God provides, he protects. God is taking care of it. He, he, he says, I, I provided for you. I provided these animals. I provided this blessing for you. I provided what you need. And God, that which God has provided, God is going to protect, which means God's going to sustain it. God's going to protect it. Now, in this case, the protection came in the form of dreams. The protection came in the form of dreams. Which means that God has a number of ways to take care of you that don't require some 
great ostentatious show in order for God to be working it out. God can change the heart of those around you. You never see anything, but you can sense a change of heart. God can cause someone to behave in your presence that was once evil and mean and malicious. You don't know what happened, but you can see a change in the behavior. So don't look for great signs like, oh, I gotta see some man. I gotta see them get their comeuppance. I wanna see them fall on their face. That's not your call. That's not your call. Just like it's not my call as to what's gonna happen to R. Kelly. I, I, I don't have a nickel in that quarter. He's gotta deal with these consequences. That's, that's his, and, and, and whatever it is, it's between him and God. You gotta understand how God decides to work out your situation. Don't try to hold God to do something specific so you can get the feeling of watching them suffer. I, I, was, uh, I was watching an old episode of JAG one time. JAG is that uh, military show with harm and, 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 and them around there and, and ham. You know, they, they around there doing their thing. And in this episode, there's one where uh, there's a guy who has been malicious to people and he's been bombing folks and doing all kind of crazy things. So they set him up and they put him in a situation where he's stepped on what he thinks is a landmine. And Harm wants to run down there and see the guy because the commander tells him, he says, look, he looks at the commander and said, you, you did use a dummy mine, didn't you? He said, of course, I want to kill him. He says, I want to, he starts running down the hill. He said, where you going? He says, I want to see. He said, no, don't go down there. Because you would be just as bad as him taking delight in your enemy's demise. Taking delight in their pain. You don't need that. What you need is your enemy to be handled. You don't want to start delighting. You do not want to become a masochist of, of your enemies. You don't want to start getting off, watching God getting folk back. Lord, you handle it. If you handle it, it's all right with me. I can't fix it, you fix it. You take care of it. Look here, he has a dream. Now, now, first, Jacob dreamed the time of Exodus from Laban. First dream. I said, God's protection came in the form of dreams. God gives Jacob a dream to let him know the time of Exodus from Laban's house. There it is. The second thing is that Laban dreams the divine hand upon Jacob's life, his life, and refuses to use his earthly power for fear of the divine power. So Laban has in his mind, he's going to get Jacob back. Read the entire chapter. When you read the chapter, what you will read is that Jacob takes his family and they steal away and they get across the Euphrates and Laban finds out. Let's pick the story up in verse 17. Then Jacob stood and took action. 
put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove away all his livestock and took along all his property, which he had acquired, the livestock he had obtained and accumulated in Padram Aram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel went inside the house. Well, I don't even want to get into all that. That's, that's a whole other story. We'll deal with that in another time. So, verse 21. So he fled with everything that he had and got up and crossed the river Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead, east of the Jordan River. On the third day of his departure, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. So he took his relatives with him and pursued him for seven days. And they overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. Verse 24 is our key. God came to Laban, the Armenian, in a dream at night and said to him, be careful that you do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. In other words, don't touch him. I'll give you a, another scriptural example where he had a blessing. In other words, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. God spoke to Laban in such a way that Laban knew that if he put a hand on him, divine judgment would be on his life. And Laban did not touch a hair on Jacob's head because protection was over him by God. You don't know how God's going to protect you, but God's going to protect you. I want to give you one last thing and I'm closing for the night. Understand something. Your connection to God, you are connected to the almighty God. And there are four interlocking attributes of God that you are connected to. I'm going to speak to these a little bit when we come back next week, but there are four interlocking attributes of God that you are connected to. You are connected to God. You're connected to God's omniscience. That is God's all-knowing. You're connected to his omnipotence. That is God's being all-powerful. You're connected to his omnibenevolence. And I know you don't hear that word very often, but I want you to get that one in your spirit. Omnibenevolence, which means his supreme goodness. That God is supremely good. And I'll talk about what it means for God to be supremely good at another time. And then you're connected to God's omnipresence, that God is everywhere at the same time. And if you realize that you're connected to God, then what you will recognize is that God's omnibenevolence, his goodness toward you, is not going to stop because you make a mistake. It's not going to stop because you were weak. It's not going to stop because you messed up. No, God loves you so much that he's going to continue to have his providence to be in front of you. He's going to continue to provide for you. He's going to continue to protect you. But don't you ever think that he's going to stop you from dealing with your consequences. But he will not leave you in the midst of handling your consequences.
This is the word of God for the people of God. Woo! Thanks be to God. Well, I'm so delighted y'all joined us here tonight. I know this was deep. Y'all got to listen to it again later on. God bless you. I'm excited to have all of you here and so excited that you decided to join us here tonight. I want to just let you know you're in my prayers. You're in my thoughts. Sister Candy, y'all are typing real fast. God bless you. Amen. You, you want you to know you're in my prayers, you're in my thoughts, and I love each one of you with the love of the Lord. I ask you to continue to pray for one another. Keep each other in prayer. Check on each other. Amen. This post-pandemic time now leaves us more time to check in on people. Tell people you love them. Tell them you care about them. Let them know we still love you here in Shiloh. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, if you desire to contribute to the ministry tonight, please contribute to the benevolence tonight as we continue to put away resources and to give resources to those who are in need. You have three ways to give. You can go cash app, give Lafay, or old-fashioned mail. Either one works, but you give as unto the Lord. I want you to be know that you're blessed to be a blessing. And I want you to continue to be a blessing whenever and wherever you can. 